Some things shouldn't be transparent, like stop signs. But what you pay for should always be clear, like Hiller's true transparency pricing, always clearly itemized and never any hidden fees. Because you have the right to know what you're paying for. For more information, visit happyhiller.com slash true transparency pricing. Happy you'll be of the services free. Call the Happy Face Truck today. Station. Live from Martin's Barbecue downtown. Touchdown Titans! This is Monday Night Titans, presented by Geico. Part of the Big Six on 104.5 The Zone. With your host, Jason Martin. Senior writer and editor of TitansOnline.com, Jim Wyatt, and former Titans Pro Bowler, Mark Mariani. From the official station of the Titans, 104.5 The Zone. Eight and six. That's all that the Tennessee Titans could control yesterday in a monsoonish environment at MetLife Stadium. They had to fly up there. They had to get off the airplane. They had to enter that stadium, and they had to beat down a 5-8 and eight New York Giants team that was not eliminated from playoff contention and had won four of its past five games. And guess what? That's what they did. 17-0 shutout that featured another terrific performance from the Titans' defense, reminding us just how done Eli Manning really is against any kind of competent opposition. Defense played well. Offensive line, Dennis Kelly playing with a heavy heart in for Jack Conklin, played its second straight stellar ball game as well leading to another absolutely dominant day for Derrick Henry, who is on his way, should he keep this up the next two weeks, I think, to maybe be in the AFC Offensive Player of the Month. What a story it's been for 22. We'll talk a lot about that today. Marcus Mariota in the elements yesterday, probably not going to be throwing much, and when he did, it was a little ugly. Drops to be expected. Plays were going to be difficult out there, and that's how it played out. But Marcus did throw an insane block on one of Henry's outside zone runs. He took contact, attempting to gain extra yardage on the ground, made a few crafty moves to escape pressure in the pocket. In the role of almost game manager to the rushing attack, he was fine. It means the Titans are 8-6. and six. It means they've won three in a row with Washington coming to town for a Saturday afternoon holiday showdown. If that goes as it should, a playoff berth could be in the offing for the victor of Titans-Colts at Nissan Stadium on December the 30th. But there's still a lot of ball to be played first for a lot of teams. And the Titans still do need a little bit of help. All they can control is their own game. And they're doing a fine job of it. They helped themselves as much as they could. And that is how we welcome you into Martin's Barbecue for Monday Night Titans tonight. Presented by Geico, part of the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. I'm Jason Martin. With me, as always, two pros. The great Jim Wyatt of TitansOnline.com. He's the senior editor and writer for that fine website. And the great Mark Mariani, a former Titans pro bowler. Me, I talk and write for a living. So welcome in. If you got thoughts, phone lines open. Our guy Ryan Mudd in the studio is spinning the dials radio style for us tonight, doing a great job as he has all season long as our producer for Monday Night Titans. We are downtown on 4th and Broadway. Guys, this is our last show of the season here. This place has been a fantastic host. We've met a lot of folks this season. We have sampled the best food that you can possibly the find in this city. And all I can say as I first go to you, Jim, is at least... With week 16 coming, we are still talking about a team with everything in the world to play for as we've reached this point in the season. Yeah, and that's certainly a, a 
positive development, you know, at the start of this whole thing. And there's still work to do to get into the playoffs. This team still needs help. It still needs to take care of business. But you, people wondered whether this team could play consistent football and take care of business down the stretch. So far, so good. But, uh, again, no gimme in the NFL. And the Redskins could come in here, you know, coming off a win against Jacksonville, thinking they can ruin things for the Titans. I think you have to like what you saw on Sunday. Uh, they did just like – we talked about you got to give the ball to Derrick Henry 30, 35 times a game uh, to win. Yeah, we knew that was, was going <laughs> to happen, right? That's what we yeah. said. Oh, yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm kidding, of course. But that, that's the way the day was yesterday in the pouring rain. It was going to be an ugly type game, and he's perfect for it. He's rolling right now. You just got to keep giving him the football. That's what they did. The defense played well, and you get out of there without uh, – I haven't really sweated. Even though it stayed close for a long time, I never felt like the Titans were in danger of losing that game. No, the only thing that worried me at all, Mark, was it kind of felt like we were the Cowboys and they were the Titans early because it felt like that the Titans should have been up more. Yeah. And you kept hearing the CBS crew say, look, one, one big play in this game is tied. And the Titans dominated this football game. I mean, they, they controlled it from the outset. Derrick Henry was running from the very beginning. Defense was on fire. They couldn't move the ball. One of the most impressive things I've seen from this defense in many years is just making Saquon Barkley's life hell. Well, what was most impressive to me is, yeah, the wet, nasty conditions. You're on the road. You go up there. New York Giants are hot as can be, won the last four games. And I'll tell you what, we flat out went in there and we dominated. But you know who else? We we knew what kind of game this was going to be, guys. We knew it was going to be nasty. We knew it was going to be played in the trenches. We knew we had two primetime players in Saquon Barkley and in Derrick Henry. And guess who else knew it? The New York Giants knew it. And they couldn't stop it. They they couldn't do anything with it. They knew they were going to get a huge dose of Derrick Henry. They knew they were going to get a huge dose of our offensive line. And they just flat out couldn't stop it. We dominated them in every form and facet. Although it was close, I always felt good about it. We came out. The moment the ball kicked off, I felt good about beating these guys, and we just took care of business. I mean, look, Derrick Henry, I said on Friday's Big Six, I just wanted to see him have about 80 yards and just have a good day so that it wasn't another one of those where the media could then ignore it. I didn't think he was going to go for 170, I can tell you that, not after going for 238. I mean, this is a guy, Jim, that we were talking about a month ago as potentially not being here very much longer. And the team looking like they had no plan for him as part of the offense. And now I would rather see the football in his hands than anybody wearing a Tennessee Titans uniform. Boy, have the fortunes changed for Derrick Henry. And along with that, the fortunes for the Tennessee Titans have, have followed suit. Yeah, and I know it's puzzling for people. You know, And, and the, now you're hearing a lot of I told you so uh, comments from people who wanted Derrick Henry to get the ball a lot more early in the season, and that's understandable. I get that. That comes with the territory, and Derrick Henry has done wonderful work here over the last couple of weeks, but he was the guy that was kind of dogging himself that's early right. in the season. He was critical of his own play, calling it trash play, wasn't decisive, wasn't running hard. Blocking probably wasn't there at times for me either. He's trying to take it all upon himself. The past couple of weeks, he's been dominant. There have been holes. He's been a heavy runner. He's been decisive. He's been great at the goal line. He's been decisive, yeah. but he's also been patient. He's, yeah. he's letting that space open up. He's not just running into guys. He, he's showing a little bit of Le'Veon Bell, if you want to throw it, like yeah. a guy like that out there. Like Once it's there, boom, he's right through it with physicality. But he's, he is doing a very smart job of running the football just as well as a powerful job. Well, the frustration always came from 
when it came to Derrick Henry was the fact that we knew it was there. I mean, everybody knew it was there. Everyone knew he was a Heisman winning running back. He had all the talent in the world. Once you shake his hand, you see how huge of a, of a human being he is. Uh, but things really have opened up. He was all world yesterday, I thought. I thought this was just as good of a performance as it was two weeks ago against the Jaguars. I think they hit on in the TV broadcast. No negative runs. This was better. Oh, yeah, no, this was exactly. Yeah. I mean, yep. 32 carry, uh, no negative runs, always pushing the pile forward. He was decisive. He was patient. He made people miss when he needed to, but he fell forward when he needed to. I was extremely impressed. But, hey, let's give some credit where credit's due to this five-man O-line came to play on Sunday, as they have the last two weeks, against some pretty good defensive fronts. And they were, moving the, they were moving the line of scrimmage, they were getting to the second level onto those linebackers, and they didn't have an answer for our run game. No, the, the O-line played exceptionally well yesterday. Dennis Kelly had a tough week. And then he goes out there, and, and I think that we all felt like Jack Conklin just has not been healthy at any point this season. Now you've got Dennis Kelly in the lineup. He knows he can do it. He goes out there. That unit, to me, gelled better yesterday than I've seen in quite some time. They needed it. Derrick Henry used it to his advantage. He's got his quarterback out there throwing his throwing shoulder in, trying to make blocks for him, which, well, maybe go with the other shoulder next time, Marcus. But Marcus is always going to do whatever it takes. That's clear. He's going to run into guys instead of running out of bounds. He's going to play on that edge. But... The O-line over this last two games has really begun to flex its muscle in the way that we expected much earlier this season. Yeah, and I think what you like about a football team is when the other team knows what's coming and you still can't stop it. I mean, you knew it was going to be that kind of day yesterday. Derrick Henry said it himself. He walked out there in warm-ups. It was raining. It was windy. Uh, the field conditions were slick. I mean, it was going to be the game where you're going to line up. I don't know if I expect him to run it 33 times, but that's what they did. And I think you made a good point about his patience. Uh, a couple of times he got on the outside, and he's using a stiff arm so well, he kind of waits to position himself where he can get himself in a, to an advantage where he can move a guy or two, and it's opened up some uh, some more running space for him. So he's rolling now. I expect it to continue. I expect him to try to continue it at least, but now you're going to have a counters with teams trying to do more to slow the running game down. Well, that's putting an extra person in the box. However, teams want to defend the Titans, and that's going to make – going to result in the Titans having to make more plays downfield, but the play action should open up a little bit more because of the success in the running game. No doubt, and going into the game, the Giants were plus five in the turnover category, and the Titans were minus four. Huge factor. And that, needed to, that gap needed to narrow in this game, meaning it needed to go into the Titans' favor, and it did. The one other thing that I want to mention about Derrick Henry is Look, basically yesterday you knew he was going to get it a lot because of the weather. It was the right game plan. It's exactly what they should have done. But going along with the weather and just with that much usage, protect the football. Yeah, Derrick Henry's not coughing it up either. No and he's taking shots. And he has been as sure-handed as you could possibly want from a running back that is getting this level of carries right now. He's taking shots. He's finishing runs. And, and a guy that's getting gang tackled, there's always that second or third guy coming in to do exactly that, J-Mart, get that ball out. And, he, and, and, and they couldn't do it. Another thing I want to point to, it was just so fun to watch this run game because we ran the ball out of three wide receiver sets, three tight end sets. Stalker was a fullback sometimes. We ran the ball. You know, we, put, we got their nickel coverage in. We, we gave the ball to a wide receiver. We ran the ball, you know, from the goal line. We ran the ball all over the place with motion here and there. It was so fun to watch because you don't have to throw the ball all over the field to be explosive. You move some guys around and create a mismatch, and all of a sudden you have a hole, you know, that, that anybody can run through. It was fun to watch. Great job by the entire offensive line, Matt LaFleur, and obviously 
King Henry was, was himself on Sunday. Derrick Henry is demoralizing defenses the way he's running because it's one of those situations where it looks like you've got him for a one-yard gain and he ends up getting four or five more because he's just so strong and he's really beginning to utilize that in the way that everyone expected when he was drafted out of Alabama. Think about time of possession when you're able to just run that effectively north and south. The Titans had over 35 minutes of that game with the football in their hands yesterday. Third downs as well, having a guy that you believe in that can get that kind of yardage. This is one of those situations where when you're starting to see 22 and you're an opposing defense, you're saying, man, can we get off the field here if they hand it to him? And that is a huge compliment to the way he's running the ball. No doubt about it. I mean, it's really it's funny. It's been fun to kind of watch him and see him also. His personality's kind of changed off the field. I mean, this is a guy who... Uh, I won't say surly, but he's a no-nonsense guy, and he, and he it's sometimes you know he's he's not a guy who likes to do it. Probably a ton of interviews. He's done him his whole life. He's been a star every step of the way, uh, but just to kind of see the expression on his face and just see how he carries himself after the game, just seeing him conducting the interviews now, it seems like he's completely changed. You know, Mike Vrabel said today on the conference call, he, he feels like his confidence is, is at an all-time high, and uh, and. I think that's a great sign for the Titans heading into a very critical stretch that you hope goes into January. Absolutely. When we come back, we'll talk about the defense. We'll also talk about what Mike Vrabel had to say today. We'll talk about another killer injury to this team, to one of the veterans and one of the real pros. It just hasn't been a great year when it comes to health for this football team. We will go there next. If you want to talk to us, you can. 615 737-1045. We'll be right back. Monday Night Titans here on 104.5 The Zone. Welcome back. Monday Night Titans presented by Geico, part of the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone, along with Mark Marianne and Jim Wyatt. I'm Jason Martin. 615-737-1045. If you would like to join us, little Chris Stapleton bringing us back. Outlaw State of Mind. Derrick Henry like an outlaw right now. Offensive line, clearing space for him as well. We talked a lot about 22, and we can talk a whole lot more about him as well. But let's first talk about this defense. Just as the Giants knew Derrick Henry was likely to get a decent workload yesterday in the weather, the Tennessee Titans knew that Saquon Barkley was going to be the focus, even more so with Odell not able to play yesterday and Eli just being Eli in 2018. Saquon Barkley has terrorized people all season long. He's you know third in the league in rushing entering yesterday. He's a dude that is just, he's a generationally important talent to the NFL. And when Mike Vrabel was asked all week long, what do you do about Saquon, he kept using the word swarm. And yesterday, Jim... Tennessee was not having much of Saquon Barkley. He had no space. He had no room to run. He had opposing jerseys in his face before he got to the line of scrimmage. Eli was, obviously Eli was hearing footsteps, wasn't able to throw to him very effectively either, but as a pass catcher, he's been great too. He has over 70 receptions on the season. The Titans were nothing less than phenomenal against Saquon Barkley yesterday. Yeah, I mean, and, and let's, we, we got to be up front here and, and re- and point out they were missing Odell Beckham. Their I mean, big, he's, all right. their biggest, he's all right. Biggest he's all right. Playmaker. So it makes it a little bit easier to kind of focus your efforts on stopping 
Saquon Barkley when they don't scare you quite as much on the outside, which was the case on Sunday. With that said, Barkley's killed a lot of teams this year. We saw what he did the week before when Odell Beckham didn't play. He goes for 170. He breaks the 78-yard run. I think going in, the Titans knew you could not let this guy break through. And you talk about one play away. I mean, it, he, he was always one play. And there was a play at, at one point in the game where he broke through, and I thought, oh, no, he, he's, he's, he may be gone. They got down. I just think they gang-tackled well. They swarmed to the football. A guy like Daquan Jones, who Mike Vrabel pointed out today, having his most his best game of the season, and he only had one tackle, but he influenced things. It was disruptive in there, and I think across the board. I mean, the Titans tackled well. They swarmed to the football. They made sure he wasn't going to beat them. And they and they did a good job on coverage, uh, limiting big plays. Uh, you know, by Eli. One of the stats coming into the game, Mark, that was just illustrated how great Saquon Barkley has been, is that there are only two running backs. If you cumulatively take 2016 through right now, there are only two running backs in the league that have four touchdowns of 50 yards or more. Derrick Henry was one of them because he, of course, had two against Jacksonville, and that really helped him out. And that's over a three-year span now. Saquon Barkley's the other one, and he's done it in 13 games. He is a game-breaker waiting to happen every time he gets the football, and you kept waiting to see if he was going to be able to break one. And it looked like Tennessee did a great job not only of tackling, but also of keeping him in front of them. They were not trying to chase Saquon Barkley down. He wasn't able to get past the opposing jerseys, which I think was also a big key. Yeah, well, we, we knew going in, Saquon could, could take over the game. And, and we knew he was going to be the focal point, obviously, without Odell Beckham Jr. But for a defense that, you know, nationally doesn't get recognized and doesn't get the credit, you know, we don't have the, the superstar. You know, maybe, maybe Jarrell Casey's as close as we've we come to a superstar or, or KB's working his way up. Kevin Byard is working his way up to that status. For, for just a bunch of solid, solid dudes, we are a nasty defensive team. We make, we make teams earn every single yard. When, when the Giants came out in the second half and needed a score, it, it seemed like they maybe caught a little momentum and they were marching down the field a little bit before our interception. But the bottom line is, if you're going to com complete a pass, number one, it's going to be an extremely tight window, and you've got to make a great throw, which Eli made a couple decent throws. And number two, your guy's going to get pounded on the other end. I mean, he's going to get hit. He's not going to want it by the end of the game. And I'll tell you what, man, it just looked like the Giants quit. They were deflated. Our defense was hitting them every chance they could. We, ma we made them earn every single yard of field. And I think by the end of the day, they were just waiting for that clock to tick off. Yeah, and it was a day where Mariota, you basically didn't even realize he was on the field a lot of the time because there just wasn't going to be much for him to do. Alec but o you, Ogletree knew. Yeah, Ogletree yeah, knew yeah. he was out there. You're right. <laughs> uh, but you did notice Eli Manning was on the field an awful lot. And I think that it's actually a credit to Mariota that you didn't really notice him because it was a game that was so heavily focused on the run game and the defense and some of the other things. Eli Manning looked awful. Like, I know it was a weather game, but he made some terrible decisions on top. That fumble play was just a hideous decision that somebody that has won a couple of Super Bowls in this league probably should not be yeah. making. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, on, on Marcus, he, he didn't have to do a lot. Just you know, just threw for 88 passing yards in the game. Uh, he made some good throws early. I mean, he, on, on the initial drive, he made a couple of big third-down throws to Corey Davis. I thought he showed some patience, stepped up in the pocket, delivered the ball, but just didn't have to do much. And uh, on the other side, there was so much talk about Eli going in, at, at least after they'd won four out of five games and looking ahead to next year, thinking they can win with him. 
I kind of thought I expected to see more from him. And again, the weather probably had something to do with it. But the Titans' defense had a lot to do with it as well. Um, he just never really looked comfortable and, and was not effective at all. It wasn't all roses yesterday for the Titans. Some injuries, and this has not been a great season, certainly for injuries that have cost guys their year. I mean, it started with Cyprian, and, and it just it continued down the line with Delaney Walker and so many other guys now. Of course, Jack Conklin is out for the season. Johnny Smith's out for the season. And then we find out Logan Ryan is now out for the season as well with a broken leg. Jarrell Casey looks like it, he might be okay. Uh, Mike Vrabel didn't really want to comment too much, it seemed like, earlier today about the injury situation. Yeah, and that's, that's kind of par for the course with him. And I, I, I would expect tomorrow, you know, because it's a Saturday game, everything's kind of sped up. So tomorrow is a Wednesday in the NFL world, so they start practicing uh, tomorrow. So I, I would anticipate us having uh, some news from an injury front in the morning. One of it's going to be Logan Ryan, he w- and Mike Vrabel didn't even want to address that even though Logan Ryan sent out something on social media this morning saying that he had broken his leg and was going to be out for the season. That's a big loss. There's no doubt about it. Sharif Finch didn't look good yesterday. We know Kenny Vaccaro is in the concussion protocol. Uh, Mike Vrabel did say that and said Kendrick Lewis stepping in for him until Vaccaro's back. And we'll just have to wait and see on guys like Arakpo. I mean, this team's down to three healthy outside linebackers with Morgan Correa, and obviously Landry. So, so the injury bug has kind of sped up, and this team's had some bad luck the last couple of weeks. Yeah, it's towards the end of the year, so everybody's banged up. Everybody in the league is banged up. It does feel like it's tilted in a bad way when it goes to Tennessee. They've got to win these two games. We're going to talk a lot in the back half of this show, and I see we have some calls that want to talk about the playoff scenarios as well, so hang on the line, guys. We'll get to you. But you're just not full strength right now. You've yeah. got to go out and do it. And that game that's coming up against Indianapolis in particular, boy, Logan Ryan would be nice to have out there. And now, hopefully he's back. Hopefully some of these guys are, are okay or situation to a little better than we're afraid of. Yeah, I was going to touch on that as well where, you know, you can measure, you can measure all the measurables you want on the field, but something that Lo- Logan Ryan brings to this defense is the experience, is that playoff mentality, is how the game changes and goes to a different speed. Once you get to that point, in a must-win situation, you look to your leader. So it's going to be hard to replace that. But I also want to give credit uh, to, to he and his boys. The past few weeks, Logan Ryan, Malcolm Butler, and Adoree Jackson have flat-out flat out locked people down. I mean, it, yeah, we've seen some bad quarterback play out of Eli, out of Cody Kessler, and even going back to the Jets game. I don't, take that for what it's worth. They, have, they haven't had open guys to throw to. These guys have been playing great. I think halfway through the season, they're another group of, uh, of the, on the team that we challenged a little bit. We saw some, some down moments. These guys have came out and competed and played so tough. They're giving guys no set. There is no separation out there between the receiver and RDBs. It's going to hurt having Logan Ryan uh, out. I hope LaShawn Sims picks up the slack. And Logan has been really good. I mean, he kind of sometimes flies under the radar on this defense, but he's been very productive as a tackler. Lee's, a t- Lee's defensive back with four sacks. He's kind of a tone setter. He's also an awareness guy. Yes. He's a really smart football yes, player, and it becomes infectious in terms of the mentality of the back end yeah. of that defense. I, I would agree, and that starts in the offseason. He's the guy, along with Byer, that kind of led this group in offseason workouts, made sure these guys were meeting you know, throughout the offseason. He's an encourager. He's a guy who will correct things when he sees things needing need to be corrected. Uh, Taking him out of the room is more than just taking him 
off the field. I mean, you're, but he, he is, I expect him to stay involved in meetings and still be at the facility and still try to help guys, but they're going to miss him on the football field, and uh, he, he's, they're going to have to have guys step up. The good news is LaShawn Sims has played in games before. I mean, so they've got some experience coming in behind him. As Mark mentioned, Adoree Jackson's played really well. Malcolm Butler stepped up his play as well. Guys have to keep it moving. Jameson and Jonathan, stay with us. We've got to take a break. We'll come back. We will take your phone calls on the other side. We'll begin to start looking towards Washington and the playoff scenarios. Boy, are there two huge football games involving the Ravens and the Steelers coming up this weekend against opponents that at this time of the year, if you're a Titans fan, you're pretty happy to see who it is that those two football teams are playing. We'll talk about that. We'll take your phone calls, and we'll look at these playoff scenarios. Coming up, it's Monday Night Titans live from Martin's Barbecue here on 104.5 The Zone. Monday Night Titans, presented by Geico, part of the Big Six here on 104.5 Zone, along with TitansOnline.com's Jim Wyatt, former Titans Pro Bowler Mark Mariani. I'm Jason Martin. Jim's at Jay Wyatt Sports. Mark's at Mark Mariani 80. I am at Jay Mart Zone 615-737-1045. We're about to get into this playoff discussion. Let's take a couple of your phone calls. Jameson in Iowa leads us off here tonight. Jameson, how are you? Doing great, guys. Uh, first of all, great win yesterday against the Giants. Giants knew what uh, Titans were coming with, with Dave Henry, and it's still going to stop that beast rolling downhill. Uh, with the weather situation, I understand Marcus Mariota, you know, there were much uh, anti spectacular yesterday. That was okay. We just wanted to not make any big-time mistakes in Giants' game momentum. So, let's see what Marcus did. On the bar situation, the night TV block was not throwing shoulder, please. Just one thing there. I, guess, I love the block you threw. He's being actually through his uh, block with non-throwing shoulder. Also, defense was locked down as usual, and Brett Curran's special teams was big in the four-quarter situations there for the Titans to keep the pressure on the Giants to go 80, 90 yards down field and get a chance to score. And real quick, Logan Ryan, I know uh, he's out for the rest of the season, which is definitely hurt to the defensive back field situation for the playoff push. Also, if there be any word on the linebacker, Remember, he left the game yesterday as well. And he's been kind of showing up the last few years for linebackers and defense-wise. Vacation. Thanks, Jameson. He touched on a lot of topics there. He did. Uh, <laughs> decaf, decaf, decaf would be your friend, Holmes. <laughs> we only have an hour. Now, now 20 left. Hey, but, but he did hit on something that I do want to hit on real quick. Is that special teams obviously suck up. Barely In the misses. weather, I'm it, not going to yeah, kill him for exactly that. Exactly right. Yeah. That, that aside, I mean, Brett Kern is just dropping dimes inside the 20, and that is so debilitating for an offensive start. And i got to give some love to my boy Will Compton. Is there a play on special teams he doesn't make? I mean, both the coverage teams are all over the place. Darius Jennings is, is you know, number one in the league in kick returns. Every time he brings it out, you think, man, he's going he's gonna to bust through. It's fun to watch. And I'll tell you what, down the stretch, when you get a close game, when you get a game, you know, in the, with an evenly matched opponent and you need to ch- flip the field and gain an advantage, it's in special teams. And I think he did sneak a question in there maybe about injury at linebacker. I'm assuming he's talking about Sharif Finch. That's what I think, yeah. And, uh, and 
We don't know anything definitive about him as of right now. I mean, the team is down to three healthy backers, as mentioned earlier with, with Correa. It didn't look particularly right, good right. the way they got him out and got him on the cart and the way he held his arm when he went down. It just, I did not like the way that that appeared. But yeah. you never know until you know. And, and with two, you know, just two games left in the regular season, you, this is why you, when you have to make tough decisions because you, you can't just keep a guy – uh, because you need the spot and you need guys to play. And at that position, again, down now, uh, two guys, including Arakpo, it's hard to go into a game with three. At least I would think it would be. Dan in Gallatin joins us next here on Monday Night Titans, presented by Geico. Dan, what say you this evening? Hi, how are you doing, guys? Good. Hey, I, I've got, a, I've got a, an idea. Have you heard of the old Henry bar, the candy bar? Yes, yes. Okay, between 104.5 and the Titans, do you think you could sell those? Like for, like buy a bunch of them and, and give them to the, you know, give them to the kids, give them to the military, and give them to the homeless, the, the proceeds. I don't know what exactly to say about he's that. A, he's a business I like, tycoon. I like, I like the sentiment behind it. That's where I'll go there. So let's talk about the playoffs. Um, Here's the simple truth. Titans got to win out. That we pretty much know. And they're going to need a loss from either Baltimore or Pittsburgh. They get the early kick on Saturday against the Redskins here in the Music City. Everybody else, those other teams, are going to know what the result is before they kick off. Titans have not won five in a row since, I think, 2009. That is what they have to do to enter the playoffs. They're three-fifths of the way home. Essentially, every game during this stretch from the Jets game on has been a play-in, playoff game for them. It's a one-and-done situation. If they lose to Washington, there is still a pathway, but it would require an absurd amount of help that you just don't expect. Now, Baltimore plays the Chargers this weekend. Pittsburgh plays the Saints. Those are two football games and two situations where it seems pretty unlikely both of those teams win. The Chargers have won 10 of their last 11 games and they're playing against a rookie in Lamar Jackson who, look, that, that offense has now become odd, and it's become a playmaking kind of different thing that's harder to prepare for. We know what the Ravens' defense can do. We've seen it firsthand this season. But the Chargers currently are probably the most balanced team in the conference, considering Studs making plays on defense, Derwin James is making plays everywhere, Bosa's back healthy. They're good on that side of the ball, and then they've got a borderline MVP-ish season for their quarterback, Phillip Rivers. One thing that's going to hurt them, though, guys, is the likelihood Keenan Allen may not play. Hip injury on Thursday night football against Kansas City. Looks like Melvin Gordon or Austin Eckler will be back, but without Allen, he's maybe the most underrated wide receiver in the league over the past five or six years. That's a big loss to the Chargers. No doubt, and you touched on all those playmakers they have. I I think you take your chances as a Titans fan thinking that hopefully the Chargers can get it done. I got nothing but love and faith in Philip and Philip Rivers that he could do it. He found the fountain of youth. I mean, he, he's had that same arm strength since he first got in the league. And yeah. it, it, it's not like he's throwing the thing 50 yards, but it's on a rope. Or, you know, it's on the, it's on the spot every time, man. I, I, got, I got faith that in, in, uh, in L.A., the Chargers are going to get the job done for us, for sure. And I think that what, another thing you touched on, Jay Mart, is that, that, that us kicking off first on Saturday actually – is good for us. We don't want to have to worry about what everybody else is doing. Yeah, just go handle we just your business. Take our take take care of our business. That's better. That's a better mindset to have going into kickoff. So, Mark, that's one half. Now, Jim, for Pittsburgh, 
they can score with New Orleans. It's possible for them to do that. Both of those two teams have suspect defenses, but at times they've both also made plays. Saints have not been particularly impressive over the past few games. Tonight they play Carolina in a big-time football game. If they falter, you'd think they might be incredibly angry by the time the Steelers got there. The Rams losing last night gives them a little bit more buffer room for that top seed. The point is, though, both the Ravens and the Steelers have ridiculously tough opponents this week, and that means good things for the Titans. The Steelers, according to 538, 75% chance to make the playoffs, which I think is more a function of the expectation the Ravens are going to drop a game and they're going to win the division due to the tie being better than the extra loss by the Ravens. Right, and, and the Saints are a different team at home. I mean, that's the big thing there. They're playing on the road tonight against Carolina. Uh, and the teams that the Titans are, hope, are rooting for, one of them's got a long week you know, with the Chargers playing the Thursday game, and, uh, and getting Gordon back is huge. I mean, he's the big part of, big part of their offense. And then the, certainly the Saints going to have the short week. I'd like my chances there, but you know, I still have got to circle back around to saying the Titans got to take care of their yep. business first. Because, and, and I don't believe in letdowns now. I mean, it, it's too much to play for. Uh, if you have a letdown when you're trying to get to the playoffs, or something's wrong. So I expect this team to be ready to play, but you still got to go out and win. And the and the Redskins are are trying to get in the playoffs too. They're and that's, not that, yeah, yesterday didn't go well in terms of the Redskins not having anything to play for when they got here. Yep. They got a bounce of the ball that went their way. They were able to beat a hapless Jaguars team that has given up on this season. At the same time. The Eagles get back into it, and Dallas gets trucked and embarrassed. And they might have been the hottest team in the NFL going into Indianapolis, and that's frightening. The two teams that might match up for a chance at that number six spot, both of them shut out their opponents yesterday. Both of them shut out NFC East opponents yesterday. That showdown might be where we're headed. we got one more segment to go here from Martin's Barbecue. We will give you some more percentages. We will... Try and predict what's going to happen. It's a crazy one. 615-737-1045. Omar James, hang on. We'll lead off with your phone calls next. It's Monday Night Titans here on 104.5 The Zone. Monday Night Titans, presented by Geico, part of the Big Six here on 104.5 Zone. Jim Wyatt, Martin Mariani with me. I'm Jason Martin, 615-737-1045. We'll take a couple more phone calls here on the way out the door. 538, Steelers 75% chance to get into the playoffs. Ravens 41, Colts 36, Titans are 46. So they've got them in second. The New York Times has it at 75 for Pittsburgh as well, but they go a different way, and they go Baltimore 44, Titans 39, Indy 37. So there's a little variance there, and predictions are all well and good, but the Titans just have to go win the football games in front of them. The Redskins are not a good football team, but neither were the Jets, and Tennessee made that way too interesting a couple of weeks ago, and the Jets had precisely nothing to play for. The Redskins do have something to play for. Before you can even get to Indianapolis, you have to make sure that you handle business against Washington. Yeah, and NFL teams rise up all the time. I mean, Oakland beat the Steelers a couple of weeks ago, the same weekend when the 49ers you know, beat the Broncos and, and pretty much eliminated their hopes. So these guys are paid professionals. The Redskins are still in the playoff hunt themselves, as we mentioned. They're not going to come in here and just throw, you know, throw in the towel. I mean, they're going to fight. The Titans can't 
let them hang around in this game. They need to take care of business early. And, uh, you know. Just don't leave any doubt in this game. Come out and put your stamp on it early, the same way you did against the Giants. Dominate it early, and then just coached your way right on through that thing. Well, and let's call a spade a spade. We all give... We all give Marcus a pass for the cr- crazy crap weather that we had in New York, but you know teams are going to start stacking the box. You might see eight, you might see nine guys in the box. We're, we're going to have to throw the ball, and, and, and we've talked about it all year. Marcus is going to have to throw, and Corey Davis and Taewon Taylor and, and Taze Sharp. At some point in this stretch, they're going to be called upon to go make plays and go win some football games. I believe they can do it. They've shown that they can do it. When the time comes, they got to get the job done. Absolutely right. Omar is down in Houston. He joins us next. Omar, what's up? How you doing, man? How you doing? I'm a I'm a long time listener, man, and I, I, I just want to say I'm a diehard Oilers fan. Stayed with the team when it was sold to Tennessee. I'm not from Houston, from a small town outside of uh Houston here. And it's a lot of us out here in Texas, man, that are Tennessee Titan fans. That's not from Houston. The heart, uh, the the heart was with the actual Oilers team, so that's why we're Titans fans. First, that's thank first you, Omar. I wanted. appreciate that, man. Thank you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And, and now I just want to get on this Marcus Mariota thing, man, because mm-hmm. you know I listen to different segments throughout the day. I drive trucks, and so I hear everybody's show uh, throughout my whole day. And um, I, I just really would would wish that, you know, uh, the fans would stick with Marcus Mariota, man, because I feel like he's a gamer. I feel like he's better than Dak or Jared Goff. Now, hear this out now. Marcus Mariota, when he first came into the league, you know, he had an okay rookie year. Then uh, he started, you know, he had uh, his percentage was up there with some of the top quarterbacks in the red zone. Then he got hurt. Then he, he didn't have no offseason uh, to be able to prepare and all that. Came back, same injury that um, uh, uh, Derek Carr had. He struggled the next year as well as he did with the same injury. I feel like there certain injuries sometimes it takes a little bit to come back for from. Um, and, and, then, and, and then I feel like, you know, now he's finally, he had a, a new scheme to come into, and now he's finally trying to get that under the belt and everything, had a couple injuries. I, I just feel like this guy's a gamer. He showed it many of times through Jacksonville game last year when he stiff-armed old boy to win the game. You know, he time and time again, he threw the pass. It got blocked down. He caught it, ran it into the end zone. This guy's a gamer, man. He really is a gamer. And I feel like if we just hold on, let the guy develop, give him some time. Fans are so quick to just throw people out out of there. The guy is, is better than Jared Goff, man. I'm telling you, he's better. Than, watch, just watch and see. He's going to be better than Jared Goff. Let the system play out and everything, and this guy's going to be good, man. That's, that's all I want to say. I just kind of want to hear what y'all got to say, and, um, and, and I'll listen. Thank you, Omar. All right. That's a Marcus Mariota supporter <laughs> to be sure right there. The thing about talking about his development is, I mean, he's not a rookie. He has been in a league for a few seasons now. But you do need to, you're going to have to make a decision because you're going to have to invest a lot of money in him real, real soon. So you need to find think he's the guy i think that what we can continue to see he has the ability to be the guy sometimes it's inconsistent sometimes the guy doesn't yeah and i think that, you know as far as the injury goes i mean i think i think the system changes and all the head coaches and offensive coordinators and the changes around him has yeah, impacted him more than anything else i think the season coming off the injury 
impacted him because he could, you know he couldn't train and couldn't do everything during the off season and had him get ready for the 2017 season. I think now you're starting to see him kind of round into form more. I, I, I think the conversation with him has, has changed back to a more positive nature based on what we've seen here over the last couple of weeks of the season. But he's got to keep doing it, and he's got to stay healthy. He's got to prove that he can be there for his teammates week in and week out. He's played through a lot of injuries, and uh, I like him. I mean, I've, I've said – you know, since the kid first arrived, I mean, he's a hardworking guy, mm-hmm. a great guy. I still think he's a franchise quarterback. I think he's a really good player, and I think at, at where he is at this point in his career, I think he's still on an upward trek. Josh Johnson, who is the <laughs> opponent on Saturday, is 32 years old. Let me see how fast I can do this. 2008 to 2011, Buccaneers. 2012, 49ers. Then the Sacramento Mountain Lions in the same year. Then the Cleveland Browns also in 2012. The Bengals in 2013. The 49ers in 14. The Bengals in 15. The Jets in 15. The Colts in 15. The Bills in 15. The Ravens in 16. The Giants in 16. The Texans in 17. The Raiders in 18. The San Diego Fleet in 2018. And now the Washington Redskins. He was on the practice squad for the San Diego Fleet. Never actually played football for them. And he's undefeated in the 2018 NFL season. Don't forget. He's 1-0. He went into Jacksonville last week against, with the Redskins. Got his first start in however long and, and won that football game. Can't be taking it lightly. I, want, I just want to make one more point about the Marcus situation. And I think Jim hit it really, really well. No play was more beautiful yesterday during the game. Then when my mustache brother, Blaine Gabbert, came on the field and took those knees at the end of the game, all right? So if there's one play I want to, I want to duplicate this weekend on Saturday, it's Blaine Gabbert coming in and sitting on that ball at the end of the game. One play that, that stands out to me that Marcus made wasn't the block. It was him in the pocket spinning out of pressure yep. and finding, I can't remember exactly who it Davis was. It was Corey, yeah, I believe yep. it was Corey Davis as well. The offensive line gave him the time, but... Many a quarterbacks get sacked on that play. Marcus made a move that very few guys in the league can make, kept his eyes downfield, pivoted, and made a really good throw for, I think it was a first down on that play. It was two two third downs in a row to Corey Davis on the touchdown drive um, that started our scoring, third and nine and third and 12 to Corey Davis. And, and, And to Omar's point, we know he's a gamer. We always know he's a gamer. We know he has the intangibles. Absolutely. We know he's going to go throw that block and risk his shoulder. We know it, and no coach is going to be able to tell him not to. We know he's not going to slide. We know he's not going to go out of bounds. You know, it, can he win the game when the game's on the line? Absolutely, and the game is now on the line. So here we go. It is. So I don't know what, what to predict here. We're not going to try and predict what's going to happen against the Redskins. Everything's unpredictable in the league. You see teams that look like they're unbeatable go on stretches that make absolutely no sense. But if I had to, if you held my feet to the fire, I think Baltimore is going to lose to the Chargers on the road. Baltimore is going to be coming off a shorter week. Chargers have had nine days, probably going to get Gordon back. Allen not being there hurts, but Mike Williams is really starting to emerge as a target for Phillip Rivers. I'm less sure about Pittsburgh and New Orleans, but I just feel like asking Lamar Jackson to go play against the Chargers right now is a really tough ask. So I think that it is going to come down probably to Colts and Titans in a fantastic atmosphere here in the Music City in a couple of weeks. I think if you've had to pick two teams that you want the teams to lose to play against at the Chargers and at the Saints would probably be the two you'd want. So uh, we'll see how that plays out. But the Titans, again, got to take care of their own business first. And we're going to make Josh Johnson's life absolutely miserable on Saturday afternoon. There you go. 
That's from Mark Mariani. You just heard from Jim Wyatt. Guys, it's been fun here at Martin's all season long. We're saying goodbye to this place. Hopefully, we'll be back, though. I know I'm going to be back to eat. No doubt. Might come back here next Monday night just to eat. Yeah, yeah we might yeah. just come here. Yeah, we might just come here for dinner next week. Not Monday night Titans, but Monday night eats. We'll bring you Monday night football coming up. Those Saints, they'll be playing those Steelers. That game you'll be paying attention to this weekend. They're in action against the Panthers. Stick around, but we got ball calls first here on 104.5 The Zone.